Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features an episode of The Lives of Harry Lyme called The Golden Fleece. It first aired on October 12, 1951. Presenting Orson Welles as the third man. The Lives of Harry Lyme. The fabulous stories of the immortal character, originally created in the motion picture The Third Man, with zither music by Anton Karras. in a sewer beneath Vienna. As those of you know who saw the movie The Third Man, yes, that was the end of Harry Lyme. But it was not the beginning. No. He had many lives. And I can tell you about all of them. How? Because my name is Harry Lyme. <laughs> And now, Orson Welles as Harry Lyme, the third man, in today's story, The Golden Fleece. Well, it's a queer story, no matter how you look at it. It begins with a bullfight. It ends with a naval engagement on the China Sea. There's a woman in it, of course. Have another drink? All right, if you are. Uh, Two gin slings, boy. Yes, sir. Two gin slings. It all started in the little seaport of Algeciras. Like every other town in Spain, there's a bullring there. I don't know how you feel about bullfights, but if it's Sunday in Spain, it's a little hard to stay away from them. A bullfight is to Spain what an opera is to Italy. It's the only thing in the country that starts on time. I'd been dawdling over my shellfish and beer, so when I got into the second faena, Soldadita was in the ring. He was younger then and braver than he is now, but I've never been one of his fans. Too much ballet dancing for me and not enough bullfighting, but... We won't go into that. I could talk about the corrida all night, but I promised you a story about adventure on the high seas. It's beginning right now. Soltadito is dedicating the bull. He is paying this compliment to the lady who is seated next to me. For the first time, I glance at her, and the glance freezes into a stare. She has very dark red hair, very pale ivory skin, and very bright yellow eyes. I mean, really yellow. 
like a cat's. I won't dwell on it. I'd like to, but I won't. Suffice to say that this kid could stop traffic on the Indianapolis Speedway. The bullfighter turns, tosses his hat to her in the classical gesture over the shoulder, and moves out into the sunlight toward the bull. But as far as I'm concerned, the bullfight is over. You must watch the ring, senor. Hmm? I beg your pardon? It is very pleasant to feel your eyes upon me. I adore being stared at, but uh, just now, don't you think it's a bit disrespectful to our friend Soldadito? He's no friend of mine. He's a good friend of yours, senorita. Permit me to inform you that he is my enemy. He's very graceful, don't you think? Mm. And that was also a graceful speech, senor. Oh, I didn't hear it. I do not mean his dedication of the bull to me. No, I mean your little speech just now about his being your enemy if he's my friend. <laughs> Thanks. I adore it when men fight over me. Senorita, fighting over you would be a pleasure. Uh, when do I begin? Whenever you like. <laughs> Who shall I take on? The man or the bull? I think you need not bother about the bull. Look. Soldadito is about to make the kill. That was a beautiful kill, wasn't it, Mr... What is your name? Lime, Harry Lime, yes. Good kill. I will call you Harry. The bull kneeled like a penitent at his feet. The beast seemed to be asking the torero's pardon. Mm, it should have been the other way around. You are already jealous. I adore that. <laughs> Still, you must admit it was a glorious kill. Great kill. Tell me, Harry, what are you doing in Algeria? No, I'm just looking around. And what are you looking for? No need to look any longer. I found it. You make very pretty little speeches. I adore that. What is your profession? Oh, uh, export, uh, import, mostly. I I dabble in a lot of things. What a pity. Why? I had allowed myself to hope you were a sailor. Well, I have been a sailor. Will that help? You have to have master's papers. I'm here with my yacht. Perhaps you have seen it in the harbor. Oh, that big three-master with a black hole? It's mine. We've lost our captain. Oh? It happened quite suddenly. I'm very sorry you're not a ship's captain. I would like to see you in the blue jacket with the gold buttons. Would you believe it? I was a ship's captain. I do not believe it. But I have master's papers. And where are they? Oh, in Barcelona. Oh, that is a bore because we are leaving tomorrow. Okay, I'll have somebody bring him down by train tonight. In other words, you want the job. In other words, I've got the job. I needed that job too much. And, of course, she knew it. I don't say she didn't like me, but there wasn't any doubt of it. That season, I was a little afraid about the seams. I phoned a friend of mine, a forger up in Barcelona, and made arrangements to cook up some papers for me and rush them down that night to the coast. Then I changed into my best shirt, the other one, and went to the best restaurant. She told me she was going there after the bullfight. Good evening. Good evening. I, I'm sorry, but I just realized something. I don't know your name. You, you do not know the lady's name. You know Soldadito. Of, of course she knows me. All Spain knows me. But what is this man doing at our table? He doesn't know you. That's all right, old man. You can fix that. Introduce us. I am the Baroness von Kernifalt. But you will call me Nadia. Okay, Nadia. The next morning, I had the forged papers and the captain's job safely in my pocket. The truth was, of course, that I'd never been a sailor in my life. Unless you count the work I had to do as a deckhand when they found me stowed away on a short trip from Alexandria to Naples. But I needed that job bad. 
After one look into those huge cat's yellow eyes of hers, I would have jumped at any job she offered, whether I needed it or not. You like the ship, Harry? Oh, she's a beauty. The steward will take your luggage to your cabin. Right now, you'll be needed on deck to superintend our departure. Uh, by the way, where are we going? To China. Algeciras, Spain, to Hong Kong, China. That's quite a run for an old salt, whose only experience as a navigator consisted of piloting a canoe around the shallow end of Lake Winnebago, Wisconsin. Luckily, I thought to bring along a little help. The help's name, of all things in the world, was Sidney Carton. He was an ex-smuggler, rather an unemployed smuggler. I'd run into Sidney occasionally on various little capers in and around the Mediterranean, and I figured he was crooked enough so I could trust him. His main attraction, besides a shock of dirty, carrot-colored hair and a glass eye, was a set of teeth like a rotten rake. Sidney was the only man I ever knew who could eat a tomato through a zipper. But if Sidney was an eyesore, he was a gift from heaven as far as Captain Lyme was concerned. He was a real sailor, remember, and he covered up for me doing all the real work while I walked around in my blue jacket with the gold buttons trying to look important. Naturally, Sidney wasn't doing this for love. But since I didn't have any money, I found it necessary to make him a few promises. I tell you, Sidney, this, this isn't a yacht at all. Of course it's a yacht, Harry. This is a pleasure trip, pure and simple, and there's nothing in it for us. I told you we were carrying contraband, old man, and I'll prove it. What kind of contraband? Dope? Don't be a fool, Harry. Nobody smuggles dope into China. We're going off around the world just for the fun of it, and that ain't any fun. Why had I been signed on with so few questions asked? Why had we left so quickly? Above all, what had happened to the original captain? <laughs> it was queer enough, all right. But I was not telling Sidney the truth when I claimed that this was not a pleasure cruise. <laughs> it was a pleasure, believe me. Then, one night, quite late it must have been, because I remember the moon was down, I was up on deck finishing a cigarette. Harry? Hmm? Harry? You still up, old man? I want to talk to you, Eddie. Why don't you get some sleep, old man? I found After all, it, Eddie. up. You found it? What did you find? That contraband. Under the floorboards. I know what we're carrying now, Harry, and it'd knock your eye out. Amazing. That's what it is, amazing. Okay, old man, okay. Spill it. Oh, I've got a whole lot to spill, Harry. A whole lot. Maybe I ought to begin with the explosives. Explosives? Very powerful they are, Harry. Enough to blow this ship to China. So that's it. Oh, no. No, that's not the contraband. But let me ask you this, Addy. Did you ever notice that glass box in the charter house with a sign over it that says emergency only? Hold it a minute. Well, what's wrong? I thought I heard something. Go on, go on. And I also found out about the captain, Addy. Hmm? Do you know who he was? Take it one thing at a time, old man, please. He was a naval officer for it, that. Oh, very high and mighty mucky-mucky in the Nazi Navy he was. And you know his name? What's his name got to do with that? I want to know what was his name. I'm coming to that. But the captain's name, Harry, was von Koenigwald. Von Koenigwald? But that's not just... Right, a... Harry. He was her husband. And this is a rum go if ever I've seen one. Now, you take the experience. You take him. What I want to hear is you about... You can't laugh it off, Harry. Try as you will, it just ain't funny. These explosives are all wired up and set to go, Harry. This isn't a ship. It's a bomb. Shh. A 
And as for what we're smuggling... Shut up. There is somebody listening. Stay there. I'll be back in a second. Right. Hello. Hello, Nadia. It's too hot to sleep, isn't it? It's pretty hot, all right. Keep me company, Harry. I'm lonely. When I finally got to my own cabin, it was dawn. Didn't dare go looking for Sydney in any way. I was bone tired. They couldn't have let me sleep for more than an hour. Yes. Yes, what is it? It's Matthew, sir, the third officer. What do you want? Well, sir, we're in sight of land in the old court. Don't bother me. Ask Sidney. He knows the course. Yes, but please, Captain, may I speak to you? Okay, okay. Now then, what is it? It's cotton I want to talk to you about, sir. What's wrong? Well, I hardly know how to tell you, sir, but he's gone. Gone? Yes, sir. We've searched everywhere, very thoroughly, but there's no doubt at all, sir. Mr. Cotton is not on this ship. Orson Welles returns in just a moment as the third man. Orson Welles, as the third man, continues with today's story, The Golden Fleece. <laughs> I still don't know how, how we made it into port. The trick was to keep that second mate from guessing that I couldn't tell the poop from a bosun's whistle. And also to keep all of us from crashing into a reef or turning upside down or something. Luckily, a little boat came out to meet us with the harbor pilot. Seems that's the regular procedure. I was very grateful, I can tell you, to be spared the embarrassment of having to swim for it. But it's a long haul from Hong Kong, China, to Panama City. And much as I like Nadia's company, I think I would have quit the job if I hadn't managed to make a deal with young Matthews, the second mate. I showed him some papers I happened to have, proving I was a secret operative from the FBI and explained that he had to cover up for me the way Carton had been doing before. And by the time we got out of the canal on the Pacific end... I had everything pretty much under control. Would you like another drink? Uh, no, thanks. Please go on, Mr. Uh... Uh, Lime, Harry Lime. Uh, you see, I've got a reason for spinning this yarn. We'll, we'll come to that in a minute. Uh, what happened to Carton? Well, uh, Sydney? <laughs> Nobody ever saw him again. Now, I'll skip the Pacific crossing now because nothing very important happened to us until we got to China. Unless you'd like to hear some more about those yellow eyes of Nudge. Uh, what happened to Von Koenigwald, the lady's husband? I'm coming to that, old man. Uh, just a second till I finish the drink. Okay. 
Well, it was late in March when we sighted Hong Kong. I'd learned how to imitate a sea captain by then, but I was more than a little anxious about my papers. It had been a nasty moment or two in Tahiti, and I was afraid the British authorities might spot the forgery. They might even have gotten some wireless message about me by then, but I still didn't know the purpose of the trip, you understand. Sydney hadn't gotten around to telling me about what the contraband was before he disappeared. So my curiosity got the better of me as usual, and I stayed with the ship. Captain, there's a speedboat coming alongside on the port bow. Yeah, it can't be the pilot. We've already taken him on. Could be the harbor police, sir. Yeah, it isn't good. Oh, no, the speedboat is mine. Oh? You'll bring the ship into anchorage, Mr. Matthews, please. The captain and I are leaving now. We are? Where are we going, honey? I loathe that expression. Okay, now, yeah, but you haven't answered my question. There'll be plenty of time for that on the way. We'd been riding upriver from Hong Kong for a good half hour before Nadia took it into her beautiful head to start talking. I'm taking you to meet a very important man, Harry. Huh? You'd better know his name. It's General Wei. A Chinaman? He is Chinese, yes. General Wei was governor of one of the largest southern provinces, but of course that was... Where are we meeting him? I think the mainland would be too hot for him now. The general will be waiting for us on the jungle. Of what? A Chinese boat. I hope you're hungry because there's bound to be quite a feast. You mean to say we've come halfway around the world to keep a dinner engagement with a Chinese warlord? Ours has been a very serious mission, Harry. And before you meet the general, I think you should know the truth. So do I. The general is planning to retrieve the lost provinces. Luckily, he is a wealthy man and had many investments in Tangier. It was my mission to bring him some of his wealth which will be needed in the coming war. I think you have guessed what happened to the Baron von Königsberg. Yes, I think so. I think... I think the Baron had a wife, and I think his wife bumped him off. Am I right, honey? Please call me Nadia. Okay, I think Nadia bumped him off. He was a greedy man. I had reason to suspect that he planned to take part of the gold for himself. Gold? Yes, Harry. Gold bars purchased in Tangier. That's why I couldn't tell you earlier. It would have been too much of a temptation. The ship is lined with gold. Half a million dollars worth. You know those Chinese ships? You know, the ones that look like some kind of cross between a Spanish galleon and a floating chop suey store? <laughs> Pretty soon we came up to the biggest and gaudiest on the river. We were helped on board with a whole lot of oriental fanfare, and I gathered that in a minute we were going to be presented to his nibs, the warlord himself. Uh, Nadia. Yes? There's just one thing I don't understand. No matter what price the old boy pays for that gold you brought him, I, I can't see why you bothered to cart it all the way across the Pacific. If you just told me before, I could have made a very nice deal for you in Mexico. I did not bring the gold here for the profit, Harry. Here he comes. Nadia, a thousand welcome. Welcome to you, great one. All my gratitude. This is General Way, Mr. Harry Lyme. Harry, may I present my father? I know you've heard about sharks' fins and birds' nest soup, but I bet you never knew a Chinese banquet can last seven and a half hours. Well, this one did. With eating all the way. May I offer you some more ice wine, Captain Lyme? I'm afraid I've had too much already, General. Uh, I know this may sound a little rude, but I kind of wondering, is... Is Nadia really your daughter? 
She is my only child. That's funny. She doesn't look very Chinese. No, Nadia's mother was a white Russian refugee. I met her in Chief Fu and made the mistake of marrying her. Nadia, however, is no mistake. She is my very precious jewel, Mr. Lyme. And I thank you for taking such good care of her. Father! Father! And it's gone! It's got... Get this speed boat! What's happened? What's the happened? The boat, Harry, our boat with all the gold on it. It has vanished. While we were in there stuffing ourselves, somebody had made off with a yacht. Word came to us it was going downstream toward the open sea. It's my fault. Well, why yours, Nadia? That matters, boy. The third mate, I should never have trusted him. I should never trust anybody. But if you'd gone on stabbing your ship's officers and tossing him overboard, you'd have ended up without any crew. There she is ahead of us. Ahoy there, Golden Fleece! Come about and prepare to receive us on board! Can't you get any more speed, Harry? Well, I'm punching a hole in the floor as it is. Ahoy, Golden Fleece! This is your last chance! Come about so we open fire! They won't answer. They will now. Fire! We had a dangerous-looking gang of hatchet men with machine guns on our launch, and they put up a good show. It wasn't long before we were next to the yacht, and I could see the lot of damage had been done to the crew on board. It wasn't my crew. It was strangers. Chinese. We just have to storm over the side. Come on, Harry. What's wrong, General? Are you hit? That's all right, Captain. Just give me your arm. Okay. Here we go. No sooner were we on deck than a mean-looking Mongol I hadn't noticed before hung up in the shrouds, bit off the end of a grenade, and threw it smack into our launch. Well, there goes everybody on our side. I guess this is it, Nadia. Yes, Nadia, this is it. Hey, wait a minute. Don't worry, Nadia, I am not a ghost. Wait a minute, you're Nadia's husband. Yes, happily for me, I was not as dead as she thought I was when she pushed me into the sea. You should have remembered, I am a good swimmer. Keep your hands in the air, please, all three of you. Hans, how did you get here? By plane? I couldn't guess your cause, and it was the easiest way. I just flew to Hong Kong and waited for you. And now what are you going to do? I am going to do unto others as they would do unto me, Captain. If you happen to remember any prayers, you'd better start saying them, all three of you. I'm wounded, Kennicott, and dying. It doesn't matter about me, but Nadia's... Father, I'm your no. true child. Do you imagine I would leave you now? This is all very nice and noble, but what about me? That's true, Harry. Hans, this man has done nothing to harm you. Let him swim for it. He knows about the gold, Nadia, and I prefer to keep that as my own secret. He also knows about something else, don't you, Harry? Carton told me about it the night I killed what him. What do you mean? There's a tiny glass window here by my hand. Carson explained it to you. I heard him. The sign says for emergency only. Yes. Remember what he said, Harry. This isn't a ship. It's a bomb. Thanks, Nadia. God bless you. Shoot that man! Yes, no, you can. He's a good swimmer, too. Goodbye, Harry. Child. You gave me a ring, Father, with the seal of our family. I still wear it. It's enough to break a pane of glass. Goodbye. Harry? He's too far away to hear it. He will hear this. A uh, sampan picked me up, but I almost drowned myself first, thinking about all that gold. Half a million dollars worth of it going down to the bottom of the sea. <laughs> Have another gin sling? Thanks again, Mr. Lyme. Well, that's the story. 
Here's why I told it to you. I know the spot where this happened. I've got it marked exactly on the map. Cost about 20,000 pounds to do the salvage, but that still leaves a pretty big margin of profit. And I just wondered if you'd be interested, sir, in, in investing. Mr. Lyme, I wonder if you know who I am. Well, no, no, not, not exactly. I... I'm the Lord Constable and Chief of Police in this colony. We have a full dossier on your activities as a confidence man, and I thought I'd let you tell your tale because I wanted to know how you work. Lime, that salvage racket's the oldest of all the old skin games. I'm surprised that you're trying it on anybody, least of all a policeman. Good night now. And by the way, we'd be much happier here if you'd leave town. Within the next 24 hours, that is. Well, um, pip-pip. Pip-pip. Uh, Another ginsling, sir? Uh, no. Oh. Just give me the check. <laughs> Lyme returns in just a moment. And now, Harry Lyme. <laughs> well, friends, I think you understand why I don't like telling that story. Whoever I tell it to usually turns out to be a cop. That isn't the worst of it. The worst of it is it's true. Well, pip-pip. The Adventures of Harry Lime, which was broadcast in the United States as The Lives of Harry Lime, was an old-time radio program produced in London during the 1951-1952 season. Orson Welles reprised his role of Harry Lime from the celebrated 1949 film adapted of Graham Greene's novel The Third Man. The radio series is a prequel to the film and depicts the many misadventures of con artist Lime in a somewhat lighter tone than the character's villainy in the film. Most episodes would begin with the third man theme being played, abruptly cut off by an echoing gunshot. Then Mel Wells would speak, that was the shot that killed Harry Lyme. While modern audiences may not be that familiar with the movie The Third Man, which we highly recommend, as people were in 1951, this is a good adventure series told from a unique point of view, and any time you have the opportunity to hear Orson Welles on radio, you have to give it a try. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.